We live in a world where language and communication have become politically correct. We say bullshit. This is In the Trenches. We talk about what we want, how we want, how we want, real and raw. From the military to veterans, society, spiritual, government, education, and everything in between, we're having real discussions about it all. Let's do this. This is In the Trenches. And now your host, Jossium. to another episode of in the trenches hey listen this is a very very special day and always we always have a great hot topic that needs to be discussed that many do not want to even discuss because for whatever reason whatever the hell that reason might be you know personal business are you trying to be political it doesn't matter but here we're going to say what we want how we want and the way we want with real and raw, very raw discussion. So if you're not grown, then you don't need to be listening. But if you're grown, hey, step up to the plate, let your ears listen. So that way you can grow and be better and not be bitter. But today, hey, we have an again, 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 a very special guest. And you know, this special guest was on our last episode that spoke about the American education system. Has it failed our youth? And if you haven't listened to it, take your butt back and listen. But this guest here is an educator herself. And I said herself to give you a clue. Not only is she an educator, but at the same time, she is a co-founder of a nonprofit organization that gives back to the community, into the, these kids, to help these kids to be better and not be bitter. Because some of y'all are still bitter. But check it out. This, she is the co-founder, the lovely, beautiful, nice and sexy Miss Angela L. Johnson. How you doing? I'm doing well. Look at you bringing me in with roses and flowers. I love it. (laughs) Thank you for that wonderful uh, introduction. I hope I can um, rise to all of that excellence you are driving me to. I'm ready. Let's go for it. Let's do it because the people need to be ready. The people need to be ready. I don't even know what's going to come out of my mouth this time. Uh Uh-oh, I have... Hey, hey, don't don't be scared like they used to say. Don't be scared. (laughs) That's right. What you say is nothing but grown people in here. Well, I need all the grown people to come to the front. Come to the front of the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, 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 and like I said, hey, if you're not grown, hey, change change the channel. Go ahead and watch you some some you know cartoons with your kids That's or whatever. Right. But That's grown. Right. This is a grown folks conversation. That's right. This is a very much very grown folk conversation. I'm a I'm excited on this Sunday to be here with you. Ooh. What's that topic again? <laughs> what are we talking about? Let's let's. Well, let me get ready. Let me get myself together for this. Are you ready for this? 
Okay. Let me let me get ready. Okay. Well, let's put it like this. I'm I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you that hint. <laughs> you know, America agrees that school learning loses. You know, the the loss of the system has failed in in the school system and what have you. And both the Democrats and the Republicans both agree. And can you believe they both agree that the education system is all messed up? according to the website of reason. And so today's topic is uneducated kids. You know, is it the parents' fault? Yes. Oh. Yes. (laughs) We can go ahead to the next show. How much time are we going to spend on this one? The answer is emphatically yes. It is a, it is a resounding yes because at what in what other atmosphere do we not hold the parents accountable for the children? And like at what point in a child's life is the parent not to be accountable or responsible when they're still called a child? Now I'm not even when they're an adult sometimes because we allow our children to be in to go over into what they feel is adulthood and we use the age of 18 knowing full well our children are not ready to go out into their world at 18 because we haven't primed them for that yeah um, that's true that's true so the answer is yes and i and, and i don't mean that in a rude disrespectful way i i really i'm saying yes in more of an awareness way we have lost the awareness that we are the ones accountable and responsible for our children. And I think the what we're seeing our children um, respond to inside of the, cl- the classrooms themselves or the schools is that that's what they're saying. They're saying nobody is taking accountability for me. Nobody is, there are too many different conflicting people that are telling me what to do, but nobody's really tied into who I am that I trust to be able to tell me what to do. I've lost the, I've disconnected from my parent. Um, My parent has shifted responsibility for me over into a system where even when we look at what the school system looks like, you know, we send our, we don't have the right conversation with our children when we're going, when we're sending them into a place that in all the stu- students feel like they're in jail. Um, you know, everybody like this, this is the, this is the only industry where the majority of the stakeholders involved with it, uh, meaning the parents, the teachers, the children themselves can all agree that the school system is fundamentally flawed, yet we continuously send our children into that same space every day, feeding them the same I don't know what we're feeding them. Like, is how is? Let me see. You, it's like you're sending your child into. It's like sending your child to the hospital mm-hmm. to go and get fixed or have a surgery, have a repair. Maybe you broke an arm, and you send your child to the hospital, and then this child comes back out with still a broken arm and now they have a twisted ankle. You send your child into school the next day, they come back home, they still have a broken arm, they have a twisted ankle, now they have a broken femur. You send your gotcha. child to the, you, know, you, you see what I'm saying? It's steady, yeah. nothing's being fixed. The conditions are worsening and it's just building on top of each other and the children are feeling the weight of that. Everybody's feeling the weight of that, yet we've not gotten outside of the, in prison system of thinking 
to be able to really take true accountability for. And I think it's because parents, sometimes we feel guilty. I think subconsciously we feel guilty. We feel guilty knowing that we are sending our child into a place where they're not improving. And I'm speaking generally, because mm-hmm. there are some instances that, you know, the education path works, but it's only mm-hmm. a small percentage. It's not the majority of, of people that do well in that lane, but that's because there's a greater agenda. There are communities of people that the government needs to work. Y'all are going to be the workers. Therefore, you don't need to be able to be critical thinkers. In fact, we need all of our worker bees. None of y'all need to be critical thinkers. We're not even paying Mm -hmm. you to be critical thinkers. But we don't understand that this is the training for that path of workers that will not be required to think critically. That's the majority of the people. And it all ties into economic planning and development. And it's already starting with our children. Our children are being programmed as soon as, isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is crazy. Every day to come out the most that you have, that you can envision for yourself is I wanna get a job. Yeah, because I know at one point, uh, you know, a mother did, have me to growing up, I always had to read. Um, my grandmother uh, that passed away, it her thing was every summer, I had to read X number of books by the end of the summer. And then I had to explain to her what I read. And my mother, I always had to read the newspaper before it went electronic, <laughs> where... I had to present to her the same fashion in regards to what I read. Now, after I read it, I had to answer the question on what did I think about what I read? What, how did it make me feel? Uh, You know, to break it down, to process it more. And I'd see that the education system, when I was going, I was always different. Mm-hmm. Because I process mm-hmm. completely different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because I process completely different, you know, I didn't have, though I didn't have much friends, but I looked at it where the education system was more teaching people how to work for someone versus how to work for yourself. Absolutely. 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 Um, that w- that was what America was founded on. You know, America is not that old to have gotten beyond still trying to, um, you know, be the superpower of the whole entire world. You know, we, we have a long ways to go and the, the ways to go for America is still on the backs of other people. Like that is still a strategy for development in America. Mm-hmm. So. And I don't know where we've lost our understanding of the world that we're in just because they were clever enough to consistently evolve what that system looks like. We think that, oh, we're out of the same system of slavery. We're we're out of that system of mental enslavement because it does not look the same anymore because they've allowed us to get a a little bit of a bone. Now we Mm -hmm. think that we still don't have an issue. And, um, you know, to me, there is no middle. Like I'm not an in the middle 
type of person. I'm an either or type of person. Mm -hmm. So either we have complete freedom and independence or we don't. And what happens to workers and even in education, I see it all the time. Um, (laughs) Our reward for giving so much of ourselves, even at the damage done to our own children and our own families, the reward or the exchange for that is, oh, we'll give you a little bit of a raise. A yeah. raise that's been long overdue. And we get we get so excited about finally getting a little bit of a raise that that's we're exhausted. We're going to wait mm-hmm. another five or 10 years before we even try to put up another fight to say we should get more. So you're, it's like a little lamb. Right. Mm-hmm. You know how they are uh, in the pastures. You don't mm-hmm. just put uh, sheep or, or or goats. You don't just put them in a field covered completely in hay. They'll get full and they'll 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 die because they, they constantly eat. They they don't stop. They constantly constantly eat. But if you want a, a sheep to follow, you put the meal sparse sparse out, and so even without looking up, they just go to wherever next. Oh, this is done with that. We're gonna go to the next. We're gonna go to the next. We're gonna go to the next. So we're not, we're not being fulfilled. We're mm-hmm. being led right to the edge of the cliff and we're not paying attention enough to look up Ooh. and see what's happening because we're so, we're, we're starving already. We're, we're so starving that when they give us a little bit, we say, oh, finally, oh, my goodness, thank you. I was dying. Thank you. I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. Oh, thank you. I didn't know how I was going to be able to make these future plans. Oh, my goodness, thank you. You know, mm-hmm. you get a little bit more, and and we think that we now arrived. I'm like, that's a part of the agenda, baby. That's how you get anybody to follow you. You just, you don't give them everything. You give them enough to keep them on the hook. You keep them starved just enough, because that's exactly what happened in education. In some in some of the largest school districts here in Texas, that's exactly what happened. The teachers were going nuts. Teachers were dropping out like flies, right? Quitting. You didn't know who what teacher was mm-hmm. going to be in the classroom next day. This was happening. Teachers are showing up to the to the uh, school board meetings. You know, we're doing movements. It's a cause, and so now we're mm-hmm. impacting the the system is shook because we don't have the teachers that dismantles the entire system of education that we don't have the teachers in place. So what are we going to do? If we got to, we got to give them a little bit of what they want. We're going to give y'all this raise. Now I haven't even been hearing anything about teach teachers having issues. I haven't been hearing about it in the news. I, I haven't, it's like, it never was a thing. We became right. very complacent and accepting of that little bit of a raise yet. The, the, the environment hasn't changed. Nothing has improved. Mm-hmm. That's a mental enslavement strategy that you have to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I see you saying it. When you was when you were speaking, and you know, first thing that came to mind was some of the statements Malcolm X was saying, leading us to slaughter. And at the same time, that's uh, you described what he spoke about, how we're being led to slaughter, but at the same time, how we choose not to want to see what we need to see that we should be seeing to make that change. But at this, but when you're adding more to that, it's more of 
you are really more concerned about yourself than about your child. So how can, you know, this, this is my take on, you can tell me if I'm wrong. My take on it, if you're a mother, I'm a father. So if I love my child as much as I say I do, then I need to get out of myself and focus on them and make sure I see what must be seen to make sure they have a brighter future than what I have. So then the next generation can be better than my generation and not become weak or not become dumb or not become easily to be played and look like a fool. But I don't see that. No, you tell me if I'm wrong or not in my viewpoint. You, you, you said it beautifully. You, that was very well spoken. Um, that's exactly what I'm saying. And it's, it's, and it's to, to focus on me as the mother is to focus on my child. And I think that's the thing we, we have given up our authority to fulfill our own needs. We have put our responsibility to fulfill ourselves in the hands of other people that we don't even know people who aren't even in our nuclear family yet they're like a ghost, <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? You, you don't see them yet. They have a strong hand in what our livelihood looks like. Like they have mm-hmm. more control than what they should have. And mm-hmm. that's the mental type. Like it shouldn't be a, you should not have to enslave a person in order to educate a person. That's, that's what, true. That's what I think p- parents need to understand. Like there's no mm-hmm. reason why the environment of education should look or feel the way it looks or feel if it is supposed to educate and make True. you better and elevate and take you. If that is the sole purpose of it, somewhere somebody lied to us mm-hmm. or we're lying to ourselves or mm-hmm. I don't, we, we, we just believe the PR. We just believe that, Oh, education is going to be the right way. The fact that we even had to create our own HBCUs should have been enough indication of what the system of of education had in mind for us. But not even that was good enough. We had to go into the schools that were not even originally designed for us just to try to prove a point. And you, if anytime you go outside of yourself to try to prove your point to the person who enslaved you in the first place, you're still enslaved. You you you, you, you don't know have, you don't owe any, you don't owe that to anybody you don't owe anybody anything and so what you're doing is you're offering your children in exchange for you to say look at me now look at the point look at my children are they go to this school and they go they do these 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 things but are you listening to your children though like are you yeah. what what is the truth of the conversation that you're explaining to your baby when you send them into school when you kiss them hopefully you're kissing them that morning hopefully after you fed them a a, a, a home cooked meal for breakfast that morning after you've prayed over them after you've had a conversation with them and you really filled them up with as much love as you could before you sent them out into the world if you're in a in our community hopefully mm-hmm. you said now listen when you go into school, this is what I want you to be on the lookout for, okay? I want you to start paying attention. Pay mm-hmm. attention to the teachers that sound like me. Pay mm-hmm. attention to the teachers who 
you know they truly love children because they make you feel the way that I make you feel when you go into their classroom. That's very important. If you don't feel that from a teacher, one, let me know, because I need to get you out of that classroom because that space is too important to your future for you to be in eight hours every day mm-hmm. with the person who's responsible for you, for you to not feel like they care about you or love you. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Now, it may take some time before I can get you moved out of there for whatever reason, if it goes down like that. So while you're in there, just be mindful of that. Here's what you look for. She's probably going to be angry. She's probably going to be bitter. She's probably he is probably going to have an attitude. He probably doesn't want to be there in the first place. Mm-hmm. So understand that you're only going to be able to receive. You're going to have to do some other things. OK, if this teacher is responsible for giving you a grade because this teacher is a human being, too, mm-hmm. that means you're going to have to have some other strategies to make sure that the person that is giving you this grade is not going to give you a D or an F because in that moment they don't like you or right. they're bad that they, they didn't want to be there in the first place. Mm-hmm. And we're not that that to me is the most important part of what our children, because now you are equipping the children at the same time. What you're doing is you're letting your child know, hey, baby, I'm right here with you. You're not I'm not sending you in there by yourself. I'm not on the other side. I'm on the same side with you. I'm going to give you what you need to be successful in that space. Start paying attention. Pay attention to the children who are acting up in the class and what are they acting up about? Start listening to the conversation so you can get, you can decide who you are in that space because our children are having to make decisions about how they are in a hostile Mm -hmm. environment and they're not Mm -hmm. being equipped with the things that they need to survive, to protect Mm -hmm. their minds. And that's the thing. You have to, empower your child to protect their minds until they can get back to you and you can refill them with everything that they need. That to me is the most important part. That to me is what's missing. You know, when every time you say something, some, always something comes to mind when you were speaking about preparing the kids and, and how, you know, we have designed an HBCU because we were technically not one. What came to mind was a, a lot of respect. I mean, or extremely highly respect to prime time, you know, being yes. at JSU. Yes. Because yes. how he yes. turned the round and, and spoke to the players to be better. And he worked with them from the inside out and look at how successful that program is to the point that now he's getting offers from white colleges to leave a HBCU to develop their program where they didn't want him in the beginning. Yep. And the interview that I saw his response was he is content. He's happy being where he's at. Yes. Yes. Good job for him. Good job for him. You know, good job for him. He, I'm so proud of him for doing that. And, and what is what is so beautiful about it um, is that I'm hoping, um, you know, that it inspires other uh, black representation of excellence 
to come back and feed into the HBCUs. Um, like even at Howard University, you know, we have Felicia mm-hmm. Rashad there now mm-hmm. that's in-house. Um, so I can imagine what the with the performers and the next wave of actors, uh, stage professionals, uh, that whole industry. Like I can imagine what's getting ready to come off of that campus with their hands on. I can imagine what's getting ready to come out of um, Jackson State, you know, with you said like prime time being there. And uh, that is key. That That's, I've always said, you never need to go outside of your community for any reason to improve your community. All you have to do is get what you were supposed to get when you went out there in the world and then bring it back, bring it back. But we sell out. You sell out before that happens. And then we get on the other side and look and have the nerve to point the finger from the side which raised us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've seen that over and over too. You know, sometimes we can be a very uh, divided, fickle people as black and and brilliant as we are. And the sad part, you know, added to what you're saying is it's by design because we know our strength. We know our ability. But we're so easily distracted over the small crumbs versus give me the big piece of the cake. That's the way I look at it. You know, I look at it a step further because I feel like as soon as I have to say, give me the cake, that means I have to wait on you to think enough about me to give it to me. And that's my problem right there. I don't believe I need to ask anybody to give me anything if i know how to make the cake if i know how to well i just let me where's my bowl i got everything in my kitchen already right now anyway i got a bowl i got some flour here <laughs> i got some butter i got some milk i got my <laughs> hey, hey she's from the south so if you heard her she said butter <laughs> <laughs> get that old good old butter and you know mix it up and and now i am focused on making my cake the way that I want my cake to be to fulfill my needs. And once I start tending to fulfilling my own needs, the responsibility does not go outside of me now. Now I am responsible and accountable unto myself and what I produce and create when I am accountable to myself is going to be greater than what I could have ever asked anybody to give to me. So I don't understand why we are constantly waiting and begging for somebody to give us anything we don't even we don't even come from that like when did we and i understand that's what happened i understand that's what happened but now that we understand the mental power of or the the breakdown that happened because of slavery Mm-hmm. then that now becomes your your source for knowing how to get back to yourself like i don't that's just the craziest thing to me to ask somebody who we know was responsible for the breakdown of generations of a people. They aren't even good to their own people. Like that is Mm -hmm. them. You know what I mean? Like that is, and whoever me, whoever qualifies for the them, that's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. They don't even treat their own people right by their own standards and rules that they create. Mm, That was created for us. 
Like I think about that all the time, the, you know, the SAT test and the star test and all of these things. And then to get into these super Ivy league schools and, you know, we have to that we've made that our markers for the greatest level of achievement in education Mm -hmm. to be able to say we graduated from a a Yale university or a Harvard university. I'm not mad at that. Good job. If you did, Mm -hmm. but the way that you got there was very different than the way that the original people that were intended to attend those schools even got there. So we, our measurement for personal success, our measurement for uh, achievement is driven by different, a different barometer than those that created it. So, and I, I don't know why we have not looked at that yet to be able to realize, I mean, if we had to compare, you shouldn't, you should never compare yourself to anybody else. But if we had to make a comparison just by what I did alone, just by what I had to go through to be in your educational environment and still excel, I had to do a whole lot more than you did. And what am I talking about? The fact that (laughs) I had to score almost a perfect SAT and I had to write the the most brilliant essay letter and I had to get all of these uh, recommendation letters of support to validate volunteer, uh, me volunteer as, hours. Yeah. All of that, my transcript. And I had to show all of these different, uh, you know, I'm a well-rounded student. So I'm leader mm-hmm. of the SGA over here and I'm on the debate team over here, but I'm also a cheerleader over here. You know, all of these different requirements just for it to come out in the news that celebrities paying people mm. thousands of dollars mm. to create a false narrative or profile of their child to get into their universities. Speak on it. You see what I mean? Yeah. To get into their own universities, they bypass the rules to say, hey, we're just going to write you this good check. Mm-hmm. But all this other stuff, that's for y'all. And I don't know why like, why can't we just go to Howard University? <laughs> like, why isn't Howard? Why can't we just go to Prairie View? Why can't we just go to TSU? You know, why can't we just? These, these are our Ivy League standards. By mm-hmm. definition, we already blow any other Ivy League out of the box. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we do that. You know, I, I I think we do it because they look and they they look at the status. You know, for example, like. You know, my father, you know, his thing is go ahead, you know, get education, go to school. But his thinking process is if you go to Texas A&M or go to UT, you are more likely get that job because they're going to look at the school you attend versus if you looking at, at a person or individual that's going to Texas Southern University, Prairie View A&M, uh, Jarvis College, uh, you know, they're they going to look down on that. But at the same time, we're not realizing you also down in your own history, your own people at the same time. Because, I mean, I don't know. You, it's crazy. Yeah. See, that's 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 the narrative the, the, and the narrative itself had truth in it. The, the narrative says, hey, if you don't go to a university or a college 
that has uh, this name on it, then when an employer looks at an application from somebody who has a UT degree on it versus a student who has a, a TSU degree on it, it's going to go to the UT candidate before the TSU just by virtue right. or nature of the schools that they graduated from. Mm-hmm. That to me is that's enough for now. Maybe back in the day, you know, hey, that was all we had. You know, right. we wanted to be able to. And again, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just making mm-hmm. a note of how we are being led. That that's right. my point. Like back in the day, yes, for us at that time, it was you got to go to these universities because this is where you're going to be able to get a job more easily. You're going to be more, um, I guess, valued in a, in a different light. Then mm-hmm. another like so that's and, and if you want to have a car, if you want to have a home, if you want to, this is what people look like. Again, we have all of these rules, all of these things that we have to measure ourselves according just to be able to mentally be at peace with the life that we are in. To mm-hmm. mentally be at peace, meaning I feel comfortable. I'm in a neighborhood that's safe. I've gotten out of the hood now. I don't have to deal with those Negroes over there in the hood. Mm-hmm. You know, I've gotten out. I live in the suburbs now. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm here and I graduated from the same universities that my neighbors in this neighborhood graduated from. So now I'm part of the conversation. Now I exist. Now I matter. Now I am important because I sacrificed or I gave away the things that were true to my history, my legacy, my tradition, my experience that all of my ancestors went through just for me to get here to this point. And at the crossroads, I chose to say, slave is over. Hey, that was back in the day. I can live in these neighborhoods now without having to, uh, in some neighborhoods you still are. Yeah. Some neighborhoods, they still let you know that that's not where you belong. So what I'm saying is now we have moving, we moved to a different place. I thought as black people, I thought we were generating generational wealth. I mm-hmm. thought that, you know, we were getting a stake in our communities. We we're buying real estate. Um, you know, so why, what, do, what are we still tethered to that makes anything again, outside of us having to serve our community to, elevate our generations moving forward in the vein of what it means to be a black person in America. Why do we have to make those choices and whatever choices you're making to stay in that picture over there to where you're the minority mm-hmm. and you stand out because you're the black people over here. Now you're, you look different than what we've known the, the regular Negroes to look like. So over here in this neighborhood, you feel like you you've arrived. You you know you you've made a difference. You've done something. You That's can that still on that have that <laughs> over here in the hood. Like you know, you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. I, I don't know why you don't take what you've learned and and bring that back to the same community. You know, we're so ungrateful. We're yeah, we do. We are, school. and that's why our community is 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 dying as quickly as it is because a lot of people are moving and leaving out, but they're not. And if, if you're going to do that, that's fine, but at least go back and, and plant a seed in that community. If you're not going to go back, constantly plant a seed in that community. Why would you, you know? Not? 
it, it just not? yeah, it, it's just amazing. Like I just I just I just recently got a book, so I can understand other things. And this book is Ooh. the everyday language of white racism to understand even further that same process in which you've been speaking about in re- in relation to education and everything else that has changed our, our way of thinking and how they respond to us and, and things of that nature. And so that being said, you know, it's our kids are hurting. Um, and, cool. and and this is one reason why I think some of them act out because of, and the parents are hearing, but they're not listening. The parents are there, you know, but they're not physically and mentally there in the classroom, checking on the kids, making sure at night, did you do your homework? I don't care how late you work. When, when I was working, uh, in the service, I have never ever missed a parent teacher conference. I have right. never ever been to the point where I made a pop up and visit at the school. Kids right. didn't know. Right. Right. Because I needed to know if it was your behavior or was it the educator? Absolutely. I'm on a need to know basis. And I'm not playing those sides and I'm not going to make you appear and think that. You are so great that you won't mess up or act a fool. <laughs> right, right, right. You got this and that part. Yeah. That part. People you know. don't know their children. They think their children are angels. They just learn to, they learn how you operate. They learn what is acceptable for you, but then they also know how to skirt around. And, and, and then this is the thing too, you know, being in a school environment for children Parents don't understand your children make decisions every day on who they're going to be when they walk into that space. They pay attention enough Mm -hmm. to see who is getting the attention from the teachers. They are paying attention enough to feel when they're out of place or when they feel different. Like you said, you felt like you were different growing up. There are so many children that feel different. You know know why they feel different is because they're going into a different space that is replete of the same comfort levels that are in the home space that they come from. Mm -hmm. That's why they feel different because nobody takes the time or I'm going to say nobody because in back in the day in elementary, I felt like we were letter, a little better with it because the teachers in elementary were more tuned into, uh, you know, the, the making sure that the children connected and you got yeah, the foundation true. of learning how to interact with each other and learning how to treat each other. And we, you know, you spent time for, for those things, but even in elementary, that's been replaced with, we got to got to do lessons. We got to do work. We got to do activities. You know, my um, mm-hmm. first graders coming home with more work than I'm coming home with yeah. on a daily basis. And I'm like, mm-hmm. so at the rate that you're sending me different activities at home every day for homework. So you're telling me that with the 20 some odd kids that you have in your class, you're able to get to hmm. teach these <laughs> 
knowledge standards, these different levels of content, meaning, okay, let's say subtraction. Right now you're on beginner subtraction level for first graders. And you got kids coming in for, at different levels because just the year before we were at COVID. Right. So how much time did you really spend on the front end, one, trying to gauge academically where these children are? Two, how are they feeling with coming in now to a space with children who've been impacted by COVID from mm -hmm. their families and everything else before? What neighborhoods are they coming from? What communities are they coming from? How much time are you actually cultivating and curating your environment to bring everyone into the same space so that everybody can agree to how we're going to operate in this classroom. What are the standards? And I don't mean just behave out by the rules, raise mm -hmm. your hand when you want to speak, right. do this, give me the R with your fingers when you need to go to the restroom. Like, I don't <laughs> That's new. I ain't never known nothing about that. What this means? <laughs> this is what they tell children to do when they want to use the restroom. They tell them to raise their hands and do this, which in sign language means R for restroom. Are you serious? I'm, I'm not making that up. This with it. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R. Oh, Hold my your God. hand up for R for when you want to go to the restroom. And I told my child, you will never hold your fingers up to say that. What are we teaching our children? Like, that's crazy to me. So you're telling me the best management that you have for children in this classroom space when they need to go to the restroom, you, you telling me you can't stop. So you, you're going through in your lesson and you can't stop enough for a child to raise their hand. And you in that moment say, yes. What do you need? I need to go to the restroom. Can I go right now? Let us finish this lesson and then you can go. Or yes, go ahead. So you just literally have a child do that. And you say, you nod at them either. Yes, you can go or no, you can't. As to not disrupt the flow of what you're. That's a human thing. Like we can't stop to address that. Like <laughs> That's crazy. That's uh, what's happening. Like, that's the level oh, of communication man. and this interaction. This is so stupid. I mean, ignorant asses. What, other, so what other space in the world? Like, so you tell me, if we're, we're preparing our children for the future, what space are they going to go into in the world where that's what they're going to do to let anybody... Like, where are they working? Where are they working that this is what they need to do when they have to go to the restaurant? I don't understand that. I've always, you know, I've always stated and, and felt the fact that the education system is is not preparing kids for the real world. You know, uh, it's just crazy. And the, uh, the other part I want to bring up, you know, I know my take on it, but I want to hear your take. I feel like kids shouldn't start school at, at the age of five. They should start at the age of three. The reason, you know, that, that I feel that way, but I'll go into it, but I want to hear your thoughts on it. And then I'll explain my reason. Um, it depends on what your definition of that school 
looks like. Uh, I would not say school by what we understand it to mean, which means mm. a child should possess a certain amount of independence in order to operate um, in an environment that hosts uh, other children in an environment that hosts uh, an adult that you are meeting for the first time and having to switch your person of comfort and trust that you were learning from, which should have been the parent over to now um, a new teacher. Uh, one that for the most part, your parent has had no involvement with vetting for be first. Uh, you know, really no say so in who the other kids are that are in the classroom with you. They don't know the parents of the children. Um, whatever food or diet plan, whatever the child was eating in the home is now completely changed to whatever this new space is going to allow. I, I don't think we really understand the impact of taking a child from an environment that they've become accustomed to and implanting them in a new environment. And I'm not even judging it to say if it's better or worse, because we do know that there are some children that live in um, very volatile, <laughs> hostile situations. And sometimes school can be the, the saving ground that at least separates them from that life for those eight hours of the day. We do know that some children only eat when they eat at school. Mm -hmm. We know that, but still, there is a certain amount of handoff. There's a certain amount of um, giving my child to you that should come with a lot more honor and respect than what it does when you send a child to school for their first day. So I would not, not in these days, not for our community, not for what we need. Um, we need way too much healing before uh, we send our children off into a school, even if this is the school in our neighborhood, mm -hmm. um, I would recommend something like a, a, a neighborhood a community center that has established some sort of an academic setting um, or a, a Head Start program, but something that is still in the that is more reflective of what that child knows to be true. And I'm, but I'm speaking from my own experience, right? I'm, ex I, I, I'm, I'm speaking from what a community center means to me. And gotcha. when I go to community centers in my neighborhood, I mm -hmm. see the same people in the community centers that I see on the streets playing or coming home from work. Or mm -hmm. I see the same people in the community center at the churches that mm -hmm. is in the community center. Or I see the same people in the community center um, that I grew up with. Um, so it's sort of like a softening what the experience of going into the real world looks like because it is a new world for children when they go into school. And it used to be for us in our communities, we under, everybody understood we had the same values, we had the same standards. So the teachers that were in the school were the same people that you saw in the church on Sunday, were the same people that you saw in the grocery stores. Or you saw your parent talking to your teacher and they're having a very meaningful conversation because they already know each other. So the sense of community 
has to still be in the same space of the school if you want your child to have a strong, safe foundation to be able to build academically on top of. But what's happening in schools now, and not now, it's been this way for a while, is that, hey, this is the first day of school. Uh, You're going to get your letter uh, about all the school supplies that they need to bring. We're probably going to have an orientation, a new student meeting for all the parents to come in. We're going to have an open house uh, that's really for an hour and a half. And if your child has multiple teachers, then you really only have about five or 10 minutes to have a conversation with that teacher because she's got to talk to the other parents who Mm -hmm. are there. And there's never a real interaction between the parents of the children in that space. So there's no there's no connection there there's nothing that we have in common and you're putting us into this space and saying here are the rules these are your new rules that you're going you must follow and mm-hmm. if you do not follow these rules here are the consequences if you do follow the rules here are the rewards mm-hmm. i don't i've never had a conversation with my child like that in in my space in our space right the way that i even communicate the standards of operation in my home, I don't lay them out like that because it's been understood through living together. It's been understood in my expectations that I set for him that come forth through my family. It, like this is generational teaching that mm-hmm. we're communicating <laughs> and passing through to our gotcha. children. And when that environment changes, we as parents need to have a hands-on approach. We need to be on a need-to-know basis Mm -hmm. for what that means for my child. And you should take the initiative to have that conversation with that teacher so your teacher is now put on notice that for this child here, though, be mindful. Be Mm -hmm. mindful. Because this child comes with parents and family of support, of values that... I'm not just going to be able to treat this child in your kind of way. Right. Right. Well, I, I, I agree with you for the most part. I don't know. Did I answer your question? Let me see. Would I have a child at, what did you say? Three or five? You would start a child would, would at three? Just, uh, start educating them. They go to school starting at the age of three. And to me, our children, I mean, my child, children start from the time they come out the womb. I'm teaching my child. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. you, you're you're teaching mothers. We know this there as soon as this is what happens in the mind of a mother. And I'm assuming there are many other mothers that would agree with this. <laughs> as soon as you feel that first, there's a new life inside of me that I am responsible for. Mm-hmm. It happens at different points for women, but there's a shift. There's a mental shift to where your responsibility for what life was now looks and feels very different. There is an automation, an automatic expansion of what Mm -hmm. you perceive to be your responsibility when you have a child. So when I had my son and I'm watching him, everything that he does, my brain is going do 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 okay <laughs> you know i'm watching uh what he responds to or what he moves so i can see how fast you know even when he's crawling and what he's crawling to so mothers are all the time paying attention and watching and we're consciously and unconsciously making connections to 
who our child is to become and what we know about them. And right. we automatically make the adjustments when it comes to teaching and how we teach and just those basic fundamental things. It's not exactly what is taught. It is how are you teaching? Does your child feel the connection with you within that teaching? Does your mm-hmm. child feel like you are teaching him from a space of you really want your baby to know this because you love them and it is important for your child to be uh, mentally prepared for what is to come from them and what is the delivery? Does it sound like love when you're teaching your child? Or it does it sound like you know for what many of us it sounded like you better I better not have you know it. Whatever the space is, whatever the connection is for that child, that is what your child becomes accustomed to understanding. This is how I have to learn. So if you are going into a space, an environmental space that has a different set of values for teaching, and if it is not in alignment with what that child has become comfortable through the parents teaching, there's going to be some friction in the child trying to adjust to the new environment that they are in to learn. And yes, it is the parent's responsibility. It is the parent's responsibility. At three, gotcha. four, five, six, seven, eight, your, child, your first day of school, uh, for a child going into school should not be that child's first connection with having to learn anything in an academic on an academic level. That should not be that child. And if it is, it's the parents' fault. And shame on you, parents. Yes, it's your <laughs> fault. It is. It is your fault. It is your fault. Well, <clears throat> the reason why I brought that up is it been overseas for many years, and and I've seen a lot, and I've seen where the downfall compared and and contrast to American education system and being overseas. And what I have noticed that the American education system has throttled back. It's gotten worse. There's already articles out there how bad the American education system has gotten. And if you know, those that's listening or watching, you can do the research yourself and and look and compare your child's knowledge of giving him a test from using the early 1900 exam and see if they can do it now because they got computers and all. And if they can't do it, that's evidence enough right now. Yes, yes. So what I've noticed why the other countries are doing better in the education system. One of the many reasons is they're starting their kids off at the age of three. And being overseas, you know, having two daughters, they started in Spain at the age of three. And what I noticed in coming back to the States uh, when I had to move back for for, for, the, for the reasons of the military, they were so far ahead, three or four levels ahead, and then come back and they go backwards. So that's why I think in our community, we should have education or school starting at the age of three. Because what I notice in, 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 in my kids, they learned responsibility. They said, hey, you're going to 
take the names and you're going to go to the board and you're going to check off when your classmates say present or here, but you're going to call their name. Okay. If you do good, you'll get this. If you do bad, you know you're not going to get that. Parents are still involved. And making it in that manner, if they was to do that in the community, you know, then I think our system of education of our kids and their future would change tremendously. And that will come back double in developing and redeveloping the community to the point where now we are the ones that are on top. We're the ones that's doing better. And, you know, even though there's a big issue with uh, yay, we are investing back in our community, just like the Jewish community is doing. You know, I am. It's still something to me about needing to compare ourselves to any other group of people um, to define how we need to operate in order to win, right? And, and the idea of winning, it, 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 it involves the fact that you have to compare yourself to somebody else in order to right. win, somebody has to lose. Correct. So in trying to discern where we measure up against other groups of people and what we should be doing according to what other groups of people are doing to find their success. Mm-hmm. I think um, we're still thinking with a sort of like a mindset of a parentless child. You know, we're still operating like we, we, we don't know what to do. We don't know what it should be. You know, there's so many, there's so many. Um, well, do you think that's just a cop out for the most cases for people to, to have that mentality? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think when it's just right in front of you. You just choose not to. I don't know if it's a cop out. I think it's that we have been um, paralyzed. We have been paralyzed. We have been traumatized. Uh, we have, we are afraid. We are afraid that if we truly take back the focus and put it on ourselves and give ourselves the responsibility to really put ourselves in a place of independence. I think we are so afraid of that because we don't know if it's true. We've been separated and divided between us for so very long and we've come to rely on the system or another person in order to to structure our livelihood that to even try to think of what life looks like totally independent on our own thoughts Mm -hmm. scares us. So we have to say, well, look at the Jews there. This is what they're doing. Look at the Mexicans. That's what they're doing. Look at such and such. We, we always, we're still, we, we, 
I feel like we have been reduced to childlike thinking and childlike behavior. I see what you're Not, saying. You see what I mean? Like we, yeah. when you become an adult, you, by definition, it's not about your feelings anymore. Mm-hmm. It's about now you have been alive long enough to make sense of what the world is according to what you think it is, according to what mm-hmm. your experience has brought you to. So mm-hmm. if you have been brought to the realization that school as it is now for our communities is what is the root of our problem. Yeah. And you are still sending your children into that space. No judgment. Because I am. My child still goes into a public school. Mm-hmm. Without the realization or the, the, the conscious awareness that that's what you're doing and it still allows you room to blame or point or compare yourself to other people, you have not put yourself in a space where you are prepared to live that life that you speak so highly of, or, you know, you're, you're, you, you, so what you, your trade-off is, I'm going to go live in the suburbs though. I'm mm-hmm. going to, you know, I'm going to go get this big, nice car. I'm going to get all of these other. To avoid the situation, yeah, accountability and responsibility. Fake representations mm-hmm. of what you think success means because what true success means for you is true freedom. Your ability to really say, I'm not, I'm not finna go work for anybody that mm-hmm. in the same breath makes me complain about I'm not getting paid enough or right. I'm spending too much time here. Right. The school right. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. listen to what you're saying, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So your trade-off is to go find a moment of fake identity, fake, fake that you really don't believe in, mm-hmm. but in the space that you are in in life, when others sees you, is going to give you a sense of false validation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not real. And this is what our children are seeing. It's, it's so conflicting. We're giving them all these conflicting messages because outside of school, Black people are, we're coming up. You know, mm-hmm. we, 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 we're living in all these neighborhoods now. We got these cars. We're, we're able to go in certain spaces where we weren't able to go for before. Mm-hmm. Yet when it comes down to being an entrepreneur, which means having your own mind, your own independent responsibility and accountability for your livelihood, you realize, I don't know how to do that because I went Mm. to a school that didn't teach me that. Now, Mm. how old am I now? Do I have time to try to believe in myself enough to go learn what it means Mm -hmm. to be independent to be self-sufficient and do I trust Mm. myself enough to know that I am capable of doing that to which my children, their livelihood depend on that. Am I strong enough to make that happen? Nope. So I'm going to just settle for this $65,000 job that I have to rely on every two weeks, check to check. Complain about paying taxes. Worry about paying taxes. And if at any given time, they fire me. Oh, I'm going to be in the in the world full of trouble because they take so much of my time that even when my child gets home, the only thing that I can do if I do is ask them, did you do your homework? You know, mm-hmm. we have very limited conversations to even understand the experience that our children had for eight hours of a day. 
that they were disconnected from us. Mm-hmm. We're not even conditioned to receiving our children back home to see, well, where is their mind? What was their experience? What happened? So much can happen to your child at school. Y'all know it's not the safest place and y'all know that. With all the killings and all the shootings, you would have thought it would have been a federal mandate that all public schools must have metal detectors, must have whatever mm-hmm. to, to beef up the security because what we have in these schools are too precious for us to even risk somebody being able to come up in here with a rifle and shooting our children. And the and United States is the, is the worst country in the world in that area because we're the United States is come on other countries protect their kids better than United States protect their own kids. That's because the United States has people in high places that sell people, sell children in sex trafficking rings. And, like and that, I, you see what I'm saying? Like <laughs> we have in high places that don't care about children that are responsible for creating policies and laws in the name of children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they sell children. <laughs> they have, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, because <laughs> like, you're always getting those Amber Alerts, someone, some child or some daughter, some boy get kidnapped. Isn't uh, even it happening a baby. more frequently? Are you, oh, Every- yeah. Most, most definitely is happening more. And, you know, being in Texas, and Colorado, from my understanding, I mean, even the cartels are, are, are all into that type stuff. And nobody's not doing anything or saying anything. And me having a granddaughter, I'm constantly concerned. As you should be. You do not look like you have a granddaughter. How old is your granddaughter? <laughs> look at you. About a year, about a year and a half now. <laughs> look at you. That's so precious. <laughs> But yeah, so it's it's um with with all of that, even with all of that, it's like you have to be in the world, like the word word says, you have to be in the world, but not of the world. You have to be keen enough and sharp enough to pay attention to even the little insidious details that are right. glamorized with all the gold and mm-hmm. you know the money and the lavishness and the music Mm -hmm. and all of these things that like you said are distracting us Mm -hmm. but they are very cleverly extending the dagger of mental breakdown of mental trauma into our our children's minds and they're doing it in a very systematic way and and they're so good and so devious about it that they even have us as teachers messed up with it. Like we we are the tools that they are using to further promote the agenda, which Mm -hmm. is tearing down our generations. Mm -hmm. That's the craziest thing to me. That's, and again, no judgment. It's just the, the best thing that a child, a parent can do for their child is to have real conversations about the world that we are sending the children into and, and being very intentional about, well, what does this mean? What are you responsible for doing when you are there? For some reason, we feel like our children should not be responsible or they should not have expectation 
they they right. have to they have to how else do you expect them to survive Ooh, you took the word right out of my mouth how else do you expect it. them to survive because that's the they are not in a safe space and i don't mean a safe space in terms i mean it's included but i'm not necessarily speaking of you know those moments when a, a gun shooter does come into right. school and makes it a physically unsafe place mm-hmm. i mean when a child who you have raised to be kind to be considerate to uh share and give to others and they come into a space with children who have not been taught that with mm-hmm. children who have been taught to fight for everything, to fend for yourselves or to steal from you or to bully you or, you know, a different set of understandings of what it means to just exist and live. And they go into that space, even though it may not be your child, but they're in the space where they see that, which is different than what they felt comfort in. That is traumatizing. It is traumatizing for a child to see another child cussing out a teacher or pushing a teacher or taking the desk and throwing it upside the teacher's head. Mm-hmm. That is traumatizing when mm-hmm. children see that or even when a child sees a fight in the hallway. If they don't come from that, that is a traumatizing experience in that moment. And what is the resolution of it? You know, what happened? Is it something that the administration really buckled down on to re- to strengthen what their values and what their procedures are? Did you deal with it in that moment to where everybody can make a decision of this is what we do in this school or this is not what we do in this school? Oh, well. How do I fend for myself? How am I supposed to know who to go to when I am uncomfortable or when I am scared? Because Mm -hmm. now the fight that we just had, the teachers are in the hallways with the phones now recording, Mm -hmm. some of them, because they need evidence to say, see, I told y'all this is what's happening in my class. This is what's happening in my school. Watch, I'm going to push the red button to let the front office know that they need to come and get these kids that's tearing up the classroom and watch how long it takes them to even come down. Mm-hmm. Like it's a war zone in school. People don't understand that it is not safe. So how are you, what are you telling your child to make them safe in that environment? Because in order to survive, any human being is going to make decisions. And we have a lot of children that are, not equipped to make the right decisions that they need to make in that space because the parents have just abandoned them to their own devices when they get to school. And then when they get home, you don't have the conversations with them. to. You don't even have the relationship with your child to understand. You don't even understand mm-hmm. that your child has is subconsciously deciding to not trust you. They're deciding to not trust you because you send them into that Ooh. environment. You don't talk to them about what happened to them when they went to school that day. They mm-hmm. went there and they ate some bullshit that mm-hmm. they don't even like. That's yeah. not fulfilling. So they're mm-hmm. in a space for eight hours of day, basically being uncared for with teachers who don't care for them, teachers who don't even care to be in the space. They're constantly mm-hmm. being tested about things, test, test, test. Now they got a new test, TSI test, which is supposed to test their college readiness. And I'm oh, like, I thought that's what school was. I thought the whole experience of being in school <laughs> was supposed to get you ready. Now I got to take a test at the end. 
to see if I'm ready? Well, what the hell we been doing this whole time? Stop playing with me. Stop playing with me. Making making other babies. Making other other companies rich by selling this bullshit to the school district that they bind. Come now. And, and they children don't even go to these schools. Come now. That's what I'm saying. Parents, y'all better wake up. And uh, You think it's just about the grades? You think it's, please, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop that, it. Oh, Get your children back. That's, that's how disconnect people... The systematic breakdown of what happens when a child enters school, you can research this. Over a long period of time, the longer that a child is into school, the the more experiences that they have that make them question who they are. Two, they have experiences that they never would have had before a child could have been completely straight until they get to middle school. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, I want to start playing around and say, I like girls. I like boys because I see it in the hallways. It's all over the place. And the parents mm-hmm. haven't had conversation with their children about who they are before they got in here. So now your child is in a locker room with the new butch mm-hmm. on the volleyball team. Mm-hmm. And you didn't get your child ready. So now she going in here looking all being hemmed up mm-hmm. in the back of the school bus because this is the thing that we're doing. We're finding ourselves. Everybody's finding, everybody's testing, everybody's experimenting. What? Speaking on it, sister. Speak on you it. You talk to your child before they, like, you didn't teach your child, your child. What? Man, if I could tell some of the parents what I knew about their children, Lord have mercy. Well, it, it, you speaking on it. You speaking on it. Ooh. I'm just saying, like, the, the, the middle school stage is the stage where naturally children are developing. It, you know, it's a social environment at that age. Right. Just, it naturally happens. Mm-hmm. Hormones are are increasing, um, you know, testosterone's building up, you know, you have different um, environments to feel different things, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to be an athlete is very different than just to be a regular student in the class. You can be a a different type of person in a classroom. And then when it's time to go to the gym or get Mm -hmm. dressed out and now we're going to play sports, that's a whole different level of hormones that's coming up for you. Right. That's true. That you are experiencing, that you are feeling the same way you're starting to feel differently about the boys that just last year you weren't even thinking twice about. But now you're fit. Are you not having children with your baby so that they can understand what's happening and what's going on so they can know what to look for? They can know what to pay attention to? No, 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 they're not. And if you and if you're not able to talk talk to your babies, have you strengthened relationships with other key people like your sisters or your brothers who you were mad at at the last family reunion, but you didn't realize that your sister or your brother could be the key person that your child needs to keep communication with because they're their auntie, but you making them feel bad about them so they don't know if they can trust them or not. It goes you right tearing back. down the whole family mm-hmm. structure. There's nobody mm-hmm. in the family structure to still step in the gap. 
And it goes right back to what I said earlier. The the issue is the parents is thinking more about themselves than about their child. They love more themselves than their child. That part. Because mm. the parent mm-hmm. is still a child. Mm. The parent is still a child. The parent is still mm. a child. Well, the parents still harboring old issues from way back in the day that you never dealt with in time for you to be a parent to your own child. Mm-hmm. And it's and not the school's fault. The school is just going to benefit. The school is going to say, hey, bring me them babies. Bring me all your messed up children that y'all acting a fool with at the house and not you're unaware of what you're teaching your child in your home space. So that's okay. We're going to get them right for jail. Don't even worry. And I was just about to say that. I was just about to say that. We're going to get them right. We're going to get them right. We're going to get them right. The same way they better learn these rules in this school is the same way they're going to learn these rules when they get to jail. They're going to already be familiar with how the system works. They're going to already know what to do. They're going to know when it's time to go get something to eat, you're going to go through that line with your trade. It looks oddly similar. The trades all look alike. Who you tell They must be barring from each other. I don't know. But they're going to know how to go right through that line and sit down. They're going to know when that bell rings, what it mm-hmm. means or whatever. They're going to know. They're going to know. You speaking on it today. Who are you speaking on it? They're going to know. Our children, our black children don't even know. Here in Texas, Houston, don't even know the HBCUs, middle school. Like, we can't be preparing them for college. We can't be preparing them for. They don't even know what's supposed to happen after high school. Mm-hmm. Other than get a job or go to jail. Mm-hmm. Other than to get a job. Well, well, well. What are they pressing right now? What's the big thing that everybody's pressing for a career in Texas and Houston? What do you see all these commercials for? Well, you know, I don't too much pay attention to the commercials, to be honest with you, because they 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 try to influence you to buy things and make you broke. And I don't it that don't work with me. The hell with that. I, well, I <laughs> so what they're what they're pushing really uh now really is more of the um uh there and this is one thing that people don't understand either. When you are doing city planning city development right when you do those projections you're not just doing it for next year or oh no you're doing it for that yeah you're doing doing that for decades out in advance we're talking about 20 year project plans print 20 year timelines you know Mm -hmm. people didn't know that years ago the city was already planning to bring in the uh the cup to houston texas we were already planning to vie for that to propose that Houston should be the city for such an international global athletic sport to be in Houston. Years ago, Houston didn't have the infrastructure to support that. No, they, so they what, did not. That means we need to start now. We're going to have to start getting more uh, freeways built. We're going to have to open that up more. We're going to have to start expanding um, the space that we build on further out. So now mm-hmm. we're going beyond Frisco and you know all these job. different cities that just years ago was nothing but covered tree. Who do you think is going to have to be responsible to help the city 
expand and continue to develop and to move out 20 years from now. With 20 years from now, the men that are doing it that are 30 and 40 are not going to be the same men that are yeah. going to be doing it 20 years from now because they're going to be too old. Yeah, so that means true. we need to start now that's with true. promoting these different type of career groups that are going to be necessary to expand the economy of the city. Well, what does that look like? Welding, um, construction design, architecture mm -hmm. design. Who are going to be the people that are going to work these things? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that means we need to get with HCC and we need to get with welding technical institute these other institutions and start making this a requirement for our public schools to implement as career tracks for these mm -hmm. students because these this is the pool that we're going to need in order to help continue the expansion of our cities that's why now cte career technology and education is such a big thing because they've already projected we're not gonna have the employees that we need that are going to need to be skilled, that are going to need to be developed in order to meet our economic goals. And we don't realize as parents that this is the agenda. That's why we need to have a TSI test to see who's college ready. Because if you're not college ready, guess what? We already got another track that we're preparing for anyway. College was only for the top 10%, really, which is what we wanted. Everybody else, y'all was supposed to be workers. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to make the CTE career technology. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not knocking it. We do need that. But what I'm saying is the consciousness behind who you are when you enter into that agreement when you are in school. You're not aware of the role that you play in that. So you won't know if when you come out skilled with this certification because you went to a high school that had a certification program and already the partnership with the welding company or whatever so that you can come right out and go get a job, you're just going to think, oh, that was great. But you're not going to consciously understand. Is it? Wow. Can I? So I, if I want to be more than just a worker, if I want to have a lifestyle where I'm making a hundred thousand because I have plans for where I want to live and for my children's children. I've had all, I've thought about these things already. So mm -hmm. you telling me that I'm going to come out and making $45 an hour, that's not good enough for me. That'd be mm -hmm. good for somebody else who didn't think about it like that. And who just went with the plan that you told them to go on and you made it look and sound good. But I knew that what I had planned and prepared for myself, that that's not going to be enough. So does this mean I need to go and get a few more certifications so that when I come out, I can apply for these positions? So now you are in control of your destiny, according to you being aware of what you want. You are thinking critically about your future. You're invested in it. You're involved in it. Your parents are involved in it. You're having conversations about what life looks like after high school. Okay, well, this is what you want to do. Here are some, if, do you need extended education for this? You may not even need to go to a four-year university. You may need to only get an associate's degree. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, don't worry about it because as a family, we have been planning for this. And so we have now created a, a family company to which when you graduate from high school, you can come right here mm -hmm. and start to work. But we are mm -hmm. we're relying so much 
on resources outside of ourselves to empower our ability to create our future that we don't realize that we're just being puppets. You're being fed. Again, you're being fed. True. Your pathway according to what somebody else's agenda is. And all that I'm saying is, even in this school system, be mindful enough to have your own agenda. Mm-hmm. Take advantage of the system. Don't let the system take advantage of you. Like, how do you come out in, in school after all of these years and you still don't know any better about how the system works? Mm. Like, all we did this whole time was just complain about how bad the system is? You speaking on it. And, it, and it's... We should be running circles around this system now because it doesn't change that frequently. The way that they do things may change. But, but their the foundation agenda stayed the has same. maintained, cons- been consistent. We need workers because the city of Houston is constantly wanting to expand. Mm-hmm. They need workers for that. You got to decide, are you going to be the worker or are you going to be the thinker behind the work? Whichever it is, it's fine. But just make sure that you thought about it for yourself. You didn't mm-hmm. allow somebody to just tell you, oh, you're a bad student. You make these kind of grades. Look at you. You didn't do well on the star test. So we're going to put you over here. What? You mean to tell me a star test has a star test has that much influence? Come on, y'all. Come on. Like, stop playing with me. And, <laughs> and if that's what they're saying it is, then what does that mean for the conversation that you need to have with your child every day? Listen, baby, look, you know I don't give a damn about this star test. I know you don't give a damn about this star test either, but this is what we're going to do, all right? This is why I want you to start practicing it, not because it determines who you are as a person, but because that is something that if you just get the right mindset, And you understand that this is how we're going to play the game. Mm -hmm. We're going to do as good as we can on that star test. So it gives us now more opportunity to play the game and flip it on our behalf to our benefit. Yes. Yes. That is, that is so important. That's you see what I mean? Yeah. That's so important. Cause you know, uh, you know, cause you know, my, my youngest daughter, which is the youngest twin, I would say, you know, I sat and I taught her how to play the game of chess. Mm. Taught her the name of the pieces, the knight, the rook, you know, how pieces are moved. And then taught her and explained to her, once you know the pieces, now you have to develop your strategy based on how your enemy is coming at you. And so when I taught her that, I explained to her before she even joined the military herself and explained to her, chess is just like life. You have to know your enemy, pay attention to the moves, develop that strategy. So then that way you become the winner. You come out on top. Now you're going to lose pieces here and there. Right. But at the end of the day, you won the battle and you won the war. You got to know it. And it's a long game. It's not a short game. Exactly. You don't rush. 
but they, they, and I keep, and I, I don't like saying they, because I don't want to give them that much credit because I don't believe that it is they that, I think it's us that has allowed the they Mm -hmm. to dupe us into becoming what they need in order to to manage us, in order to uh, control us. That's what they've done. And I'm not mad at the thinking behind what they did in order to win. But what I see is what they did in order to win required them to dim or break down my mental capacity. Mm. But now that I know that that's what their strategy was, that's what they did. Mm -hmm. The knowledge of that should bring into my ability to do to stop that, to cut that part off, or at least make a plan to cut that off and say, okay, now I'm paying attention. I see what Mm -hmm. they did. I I see you now. I'm paying attention now. Okay. So that means I can't just rely on all the things my child would need in order to be successful after school, just on the teachers or the eight hours a day they spend there. So that means me as a parent, I need to take extra time with my child. Is that what you're saying? Oh, okay. So that means now it's not just, hey, did you do your homework? It's sit down with me. Let me look at so I can understand what they're teaching you in school. Because Mm -hmm. if you're not getting it, I know the way that you probably need to think about it because you're my child and we're connected. So I know how you see things. I know how you hear things. I know how you understand things. And with that knowledge that I know about you, where it's taking teachers three and four weeks to try to make you understand it and you're still not getting it. You Mm -hmm. shouldn't take me that long because I know you, I know what you need in order to think because I've been paying that much attention to you. (laughs) Yeah, I've been paying that much attention. It's funny you said that because I was thinking about my my oldest twin, and she 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 was like, I don't like math, and and I'm a I'm a numbers person. I love math, you know. Yeah, and especially because math. I'm looking at math is money. Money is math. I don't Ooh, care. Yeah, Ooh, it'll yeah. around it. Yeah, yeah. So she didn't like. She said didn't like math whatsoever. But, she, you know, she she's like her dad. You know, she's going to get out there and do what she need to do. She's going to grind and hustle, uh, uh, convince. But because I noticed that what you just described in her, she get out there and grind and hustle when she need to and wants to, but she don't like mad. But she grind and hustle. So that's where, you know, many parents I think don't pay attention to because then I was able to see, okay, well, since you don't like math, but you like to grind and hustle, math is money. Money is math. No, all the way around. Yeah. Depends on what you're doing. Yeah. As soon as I merged those two together, yes, her math was going out the roof when I had it to relate to money yes. and how much money she would lose. Yes. 
how much she would gain. And she Come was just, down. she was just getting it. And you know why? Because I trust the person who is teaching me this because this is, this is that from which I came to, for my father to be sitting down. To, I don't question it. I don't doubt it because he knows this to be true. He wants the best for me. I already know this. I love, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's the same understanding that I'm saying. If that is if that intentionality behind creating a safe space and environment and the relationship for the students to connect with the teachers like that, to be able to trust emphatically, students are not gonna do it. You 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 don't even know how to teach it to me because you don't know me. Mm-hmm. You're trying to standardize. Mm-hmm. The way I'm supposed to learn to make it easier for you because they put you in an environment where, as far as they're concerned, all you have to do is get these 20 sheep trained to know how to follow these rules, mm-hmm. follow these instructions. Mm-hmm. That's the only requirement. And gotcha. the ones that do extremely well, we're going to pull them over here. The others that don't, we got something else for them. That's the difference. And that's what I'm saying. It is the parent's fault because you disconnected from your baby. You're not even paying attention enough to your baby to help your child for to know how to be successful in that environment. And it's probably because the parents are in the same systematic environment themselves in which they work in. They don't even know how to. How do you have a conversation with your child to think outside of the world that they created for themselves? Mm. <clears throat> yeah. everybody has the ability to do it you have mm. your own mind you're even if even if you've been even if you've been traumatized even if you mm. th- that's how beautiful the mind is that's how beautiful the gift of creativity and imagination is you can that part is always there for you that part your own creativity the the your ability to see things to envision who you are in your future that is beholden onto you mm. yeah it is you don't need anybody else outside of you to validate that, to say what you should or should not be doing for your child. Who are you? Mm-hmm. Who are you? How, how, how do we, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying like we have been seduced and I don't know what we've been seduced by because even the numbers, black and white numbers should have us cause pause to being like this system of education ain't working. Mm-hmm. Like we still getting schools in our community getting D's and F's for their report cards. We still do you know what that means? If a whole school system gets a D or an F on their accountability rating, that mm-hmm. means the children that are coming through this academic institution are failing even according to their terms. Understand the mental breakdown that that is doing. All the people who are coming, all of them, a good, the teachers too, the teachers ain't shit. That this whole collective community of educators and staff and children, we collectively got an F. We collectively got an F. That means something is missing. That means either maybe the school needs to look at some other factors that are requirements for the people in that community that are lacking within that school itself. It has to be something that's missing. 
or it's by design. And so now the narrative is that the schools and the communities that look like these, even when you go on greatschools.com, the schools in the neighborhood are like score two out of 10, three out of 10, one out of 10. Listen to that. Think about that. Now that's the economic impact. If I'm moving into a community and I, I want to see where I want to live in the same neighborhoods that are being gentrified now, yeah, the same communities that they are building in for economic future plans, mm-hmm. the schools showing up two out of ten, three out of ten, that 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 shit. Now somebody should have understood that that economically, that's not even a good look. Unless the people that are coming into the communities to look at these new gentrified buildings are not coming in with the same family values that the people that currently live in the communities are there for. Maybe these are the people that are not coming in with children and plan to have children. All these buildings that shoot straight up and down three, four, no yards in the front of the back. No. Y'all got a different understanding of what this community is probably supposed to look like in the next 10 to 15 years. So you know to get an early investment because this is hot property. This is a high commodity. This is a hot area. But for right now, the children that go into these schools getting ratings of 3 out of 10, 4 out of 10, these people are not going to send their children to a school that's getting a 3 out of a 10? No, they not. You know they not. That means something's getting ready to change, right? That means something major is getting ready to have to change. Mm -hmm. With these schools, people better start paying attention and stop complaining and being so upset about what other people are doing with their business because you sold yourself into a space to become the operator, to become the mechanic of how that system works. I mean, and it's, it's, it's difficult. Again, I'm not judging because as a working parent, you know, we're mentally locked into thinking, well, I have to work. I have to work. That's more important than anything else. I have to work. So I don't even know how to think outside of that narrative to consider what are some other possibilities so what my life can look like or what my children's life can look like. I wouldn't even know what to Google. I wouldn't even know what to type in to come up with options so I'm just going to submit. I'm going to submit to the system and I'm going to be okay with knowing I'm sending my child into a school that is horrible for them to be. And even though I say I love them all the time and I want so much for their future, but actively and what I'm doing is sending them into a space where I don't even believe is going to be the best for them. The teachers Mm -hmm. don't even believe that it's going to be for the best of them. The administrators, nobody believes really that this is what is going to make a change for our generation. And it's obviously because we have generations upon generations sitting in the same economic environment Mm -hmm. that they did decades ago. And it still looks the same other than people coming in from the outside and building up on our we just need to pay attention. We need to pay attention. We need to pay attention. I, I mean, what what would, if you didn't have anything, if you didn't have anybody else to blame, what would your life look like? If you didn't have anybody else to blame or complain about, what would your life look like? 
And that's the direction that you need to go in. Well, 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 you have heard this very important hot topic, uneducated kids. Is it the parents' fault? Yes. And and, and I conclude <laughs> is not yes, is hell yes. Hell yes. <laughs> Hell yes. And now that we know this, now we can start doing something about it. Exactly. Exactly. So I want to first thank you, Miss Angela L. Johnson, for taking the the time out of your busy schedule to come on here and and talk about this this issue, this topic that's really more like a a plague or, or disease within the community and how it's affecting our kids and then our kids' future and then our kids' kids' future, you know, and I think this is one of the most important of many topics and episodes that, that we've discussed, but I want to thank you so much, like I said, for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule. This is your boy, Jasim. Listen, if you want to reach, you want to reach Miss Angela L. Johnson at, you know, Inverse Inc. I will let you read every scription described on how to reach her. But what I'm going to do now, Miss Johnson, how can one get in touch with you, especially in the Texas and the Houston area, when you have such a wonderful program that I attended and have seen? I'm so glad to have you there. So, and I saw the growth of of the parents and the students. How can they reach you in regards to those parents want to put their kids in your program? Oh, awesome. And thank you so much for inviting me. This is always a a wonderful uh, experience with you. Um, So, yes, Inverse Inc., uh, that's I-N-N-E-R-V-E-R-S-E. Uh, dot Inc. is a new uh, nonprofit where we are guiding middle school students through an inner discovery of their gifts, their values, and virtues to use that as the north, their North Star for consciously uh, planning their future and what life looks like after high school for them so they know who they are, they're able to speak to it and live according um, to their character and to their personality. Um, Right now we're on Instagram. So you can go on Instagram and do at inverse.inc. That's I-N-N-E-R-V-E-R-S-E dot inc. Um, you can also email me at team uh, at inverseinc.com. So that's T-E-A-M, like your regular team, team at inverseinc.com. That's all we have right now. We're still in the works for our website, which I'm forever supposed to be sending over the <laughs> for the different pages on that. Um, so right now we just have our Instagram um, and our email address, but uh, more social media outlets are forthcoming. We're in the work where we were brand new, just a year, and we've already um, got our first contract with a school district here in Houston to serve two campuses. So we are reaching uh, approximately 350 to 400 6th, 7th, and 8th graders on the north side and the south side of Houston, Texas. And then as you just mentioned, um, our workshop that we just completed, Recalibrate, Set, and Go, where we worked with families, parents, and the children to first 
establish a reconnection uh, with their relationship. You know, parents are the gatekeepers to the experience of what our students have and their outlook on themselves. So we did a lot of great work between the family, the parents and the children, and then some activities that got them focused on how they should go about selecting career, um, being intentional about knowing your values and what you want the values of others to possess in order for you to work in that space with them. So again, being consciously aware of who you are and letting that drive how you move forward. So that's our contact information right now thus far, but you know, this is what I do. This is my purpose. This is what I'm here for. I've been working with the community and children um, in this capacity since 2012 now. So I look to, I look forward to doing more. Bring me your, bring me, bring me the families, bring me your babies. L listen, it's not going to take long y'all. I promise it's not going to take long families. We just got to recalibrate and get back in order, get back in alignment with who we are and then move forward collectively together. And that's what we do with Interverse. All right, Interverse, recalibrate your child so then that way they can have a brighter and better future than what you have. So listen, don't be bitter, be better and execute. This is your boy, Jess Sim, and we will see you in the next episode. And guess what? We're going to have her come right back to another episode. So it's going to be more and hot topics on what in the trenches? What? I'm ready. <laughs> Peace out, y'all. Peace out. <laughs> You've been listening to In the Trenches. Real, raw, plain speak without all the political correctness. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out to TS and F Consultant and Management on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So long for now from In the Trenches.